burrito? Where's my burrito? It's weird that we don't have the equivalent to let you like, you know, like on uh, TV shows, whenever someone loses their shit and then they have to quickly cut to commercials and it's just like a monkey hitting a TV and it's like, we'll be we're yeah, technical difficulties. Yeah. Like we don't have that for podcasting, which sucks. Cause we started off and did about uh, eight minutes of a show and I was fired up and not making any sense. According to max, probably a good thing. Mercifully yeah. did not. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm in Florida. I'm day drinking rum as you do. So, right. you know, I wasn't, but you were talking about like children of the earth and there's like two women, and there's, two, <laughs> sounds... there's two men on like Mars or something. It sounds and there's, crazier. Like, two gender neutral people and something about Aristophanes and something. Right. It and sounds crazy. Like, and then I was I like, say... does the term aristocracy come from Aristophanes? No, but that's interesting that you say that because there are things that like I maybe you knew this, maybe everyone knew this, but I didn't know it, which was like, and this is about like the pursuit of love, this thing I was talking about. Because in the in the original podcast to catch everyone up to speed quickly, I was trying to say that I had been really I've been rereading like philosophy books to try to see if like it means anything different to me now. But I've been looking at it through historical context, right? And so we greeked out about we greeked out about the geeks. <laughs> Said it right, and I won't change it now. <laughs> That was like a great, I don't know if you want to call that a Freudian slip. That was amazing. That was so accurate. It's uh, <laughs> the best joke you've ever told, my man. Sometimes I'm uh, good on accident, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but no, so we were talking about that. We were talking about Socrates and that. I wanted to uh, geek out about Plato. Now, we were talking about like words that have meanings because of people. Like the idea of platonic love comes from Plato. And maybe that's a well-known thing, but I didn't know that. Like when I thought platonic, I, I just... You didn't. Well, I just thought it meant like another version of like uh, non-physical celibate love, which it does. But but that all comes from this one dude, fucking thousands and thousands of years ago, three ninety nine BC, if my uh, memory serves right. And so the one thing that I really loved about him was that he wanted to investigate things. Like he was a student of Socrates. Socrates was murdered by the Athenians right after they took over and shit. And mm. so he spent the rest of his life, Max, trying to like teach the word, spread the gospel. All right, the the book of socrates if you will and so what he would do is he would get together with like the ta the tastemakers of the society all right yeah, like yeah. you get a good uh a good writer over here you get like a statesman you get a goddamn movie director you get like i don't know some fucking chemist bill nye shows up for some reason all right so you just get like the squad and everyone is there to kind of debate empirically right by using mm -hmm. uh, the socratic method like what are these things right so we could talk about any subjective thing that we have assigned meaning to uh, we could say something like justice. Like, what is justice? What is it, right? And to not just say, okay, well, justice is, uh, you know, the scales and uh, you do something bad, the crime fits the punishment. Like, sure, that's fine, but that's not what it is, right? Like, it has to be this agreed upon thing. And one of the most fascinating things that they kind of uh, talked about, and this is where platonic comes from, is the concept of love. So he got, like, all the home, all the squad together, and then, you know, one of the people there was Aristophanes, who was a Greek writer. And so what they did was start investigating it, like start attacking each other's hypothesis. Like, well, what, well, what is love? What is love? What is it really? Like what? Cause you think about it. We say it all the time. Love. We think of images of love. We think of like hearts, right? We think of like uh, matrimony. We think about chocolates and flowers and bullshit like that. But that is a symptom. That's not the disease. You, f you follow? Mm. Does that make sense so far? Interesting. Disease yeah. symptoms. Love. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> that that I don't, that might be the title, guy. <laughs> uh, well, well, obviously, my nihilism aside, just follow me here, which I really liked. Which 
uh, Aristophocles, who is a screenwriter, right? A, a writer of the stage, a playwright. Yeah. He decides to say, he, he creates a fiction about what he thinks it is. They both agree that it's, it's, it's a longing for something. It's a longing for absolution or to, you know, to feel complete. Um, Aristophocles comes in and says, like, you know what I think happened? Like, way back when, right? Before there were, like, regular humans going around. Uh, there weren't men and women. What there were were, like, sons of the moon, sons of the earth, and sons of the sun. That's redundant. Um, and so, what you know, and the people of the sun were, like, two women's back-to-back, right? We weren't even upright. We were, like, fucking ovals. We looked like the Willy Wonka okay, like, so, grape so, lady. So before you get more into this, so yeah, I can yeah, understand, yeah. is Check this, me. like, a known, like, um, religious thing back then? Or is this something that Aristophocles is coming up with on the fly? Kind like, of, you know what I think happened? Yeah. There's these two ladies. They're standing back to back. Like, is he just <laughs> tripping balls? Or like, what's, right. what's going on? They're doing microdosing of hemlock, you know, so they can get closer <laughs> to Socrates. And they're like, bro, I'm just saying, there's two ladies. <laughs> no, but, so, but the, like, that's the thing. He's a playwright, so he's trying to answer creatively. But the point is, the metaphor still works, right? What he's trying to say is, like, back in the day, and this is permeated to culture today, uh, that movie Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I know you're not crazy about it. I, I kind of love it. I think it's wonderful. Uh, there's a whole song where they recount that. They call it the story of love, right? Like, what is, how, how, what is this fucking thing to begin with? And it's so ripping off plato's kind of uh you know conversations with all this and so what happened again was like back in the day we were like willy wonka blueberry people we were round and we had like perfect we had like quarrels you know like the harry potter that fucker was hanging out on the back of the dude's head voldemort was on the back of that fucker's head mm-hmm. nightmare fuel okay uh that's kind of what we were back then right but so we ahead. were blueberry people that were round you're looking too much into the blueberry the back of our heads <laughs> i'm using adjectives and you're just running with it man no, I mean, but the idea was like, uh, you know, we, we were, we were we like were just a bunch of roly-poly-oly motherfuckers. Right. We, we were, were small roly- and short and round. Yeah. Living in a land of swirls and twirls, we were the smallest kids around. I love it. I loved everything that you just did there, and I don't think I've ever loved you more. Uh, it doesn't help my point, but I, it's mnemonic, if nothing there, else. There was a pirate radio station by my high school, and it would only work in the vicinity of my high school that played a grand total of four songs on a continuous loop 24-7, and one of them was the Roly Polioli theme song. Another was the Rock's entrance song for WWE or You smell what the rock is cooking? That one. Yep. Boom, 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 boom. Damn, that's, that's metal, man. What was the Mission other two? Impossible theme song. Nailed it. And I forget the fourth. Okay. <laughs> Eclectic mix. <laughs> I knew that fourth would be something really beautiful. Uh, it will meet again. <laughs> like... Oh Lord! All right, well, balloon or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. Le'Veon Rose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but back on track for a moment, right? So the whole idea was that the reason that we are separated, right, is because back in the day we may have been like the you know, the sons of the sun were two men, sons of the earth were two women, but sons of the moon, right? Like children of the moon, rather, mm. they were mixed. Like instead of being two dudes, two women back to back, like as perfect symmetry, they were a man and a woman. And that, that really fucking pissed off Zeus. Zeus was not about that shit. So Zeus was like, I'm going to kill all these motherfuckers. And then someone was like, Zeus, like they go and make offerings. You're going to throw all those offerings out there. And he's like, I'm smart as fuck. I'll just cut them with my lightning bolt scissors, okay? And he throws lightning down, and he splits the people, and then we're, we're cursed to walk the, the rest of the world looking for our other half so we can feel complete. Makes sense if you think about it on a sociological standpoint. What do people always say? Oh, I feel so complete. I feel so whole. Like, it definitely holds merit in that 
way. You know what I mean? But uh, our boy Plato was like, that doesn't make sense, dude. And like, honestly, <laughs> he described love as a staircase where mm-hmm. like the first step is not even love at all. It's lust. It's, it's, it's your desire to find beauty in the world and then motivate yourself into action which is not love, right? That's like, I want to fuck that person. I can fuck that person if I make a lot of money or I'm really successful or if I shave my beard or if I wear a suit or something. It's action motivated by... uh, Plato knew what was up. Plato was DTF, bro. Like <laughs> Plato now on fucking Tinder? Are you, are you... Like, we wouldn't stand a chance, man. <laughs> fucking Plato. Um, okay, so, so Plato was just saying like, no, we just want to bone each other all the time. That's what's motivating all of this. It's not fulfilling some sort of spiritual need to like combine with our missing half. It's motivated by, or the impetus for it. Right. It's sexual or carnal desire or whatever. Initially. Initially, but he says, and then it grows. The, yeah, as the steps go on, you start falling. So what you do is you start falling in love. When you fall in love with one person, right, uh, you, you only see the world through that prism. But then let's say you fall in love with three other people after that, and they all share a common denominator, right? Let's say they're all, they, they all have a winning personality or they have like brown hair. You start to associate these things. You start to realize, I know that's different. Shut up. Uh, you start to realize that like the things that you love about people are not special to any one person. Like if there's one person out there that you can love in theory, you absolutely w- would be able to do that with many people. Eventually you move beyond that altogether. Looks become fucking third or fourth in the, in the totem pole of what matters to you. Personality absolutely becomes a thing, right? And then you start to fall in love with concepts, uh, ideas, themes, things that it will be unrequited, but it's everlasting. Like you, you can't fall out of love with art. You can't fall out of love with music, right? Like music is music. If you love it, you fall in love with it. That's your prism, but it'll never love you back. It's a cold fucking sad one-sided relationship. And oh, uh, it's, it's a real Timothy Treadwell in the bears situation. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Like, he's Treadwell <laughs> enough for everybody, but these bears, like, Treadwell was like, I got enough. Yes. For the both of us. All right. I don't need a bear's consent and the bear. Let him know. When Timothy <laughs> sees nothing but the love and intelligence of an animal. All I see is the cold, unflinching indifference. of nature. <laughs> Methodical, godless killing machines. Uh, no, but it, but it's similar. It's similar to that to which Plato eventually yeah. says, like that is what pl- like what platonic is. Like we look at it as like oh non sexual blah, blah blah love between like there's plenty of people that I'm like oh I'm not fucking that person but I love them. That's a platonic relationship. It's not about that. What I'm really talking about are the concepts and themes. So that, that he's saying that there's like beauty. a tiered hierarchy of love. And yeah. The most absolute form or the logical endpoint of love is platonic love. It's basically when you fall in love with a concept or an idea or something intangible. Right. And, and, and as long as you don't mistake that intangible idea or concept for, for being a person who can, who can actually let, because the whole point is a quest for idealized beauty. That's what he described love ultimately is. He also, a bit of a pessimist, says like, yo, humans are meant to stay at that top stuff. Because being true, like, to be honest, if you were to, like, he even says it, he's like, falling in love with one person and like loving them, it's like, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable in a way, like, you can get the highest highs, but you will get the lowest lows. They can leave you, they could die. Any number of things can happen, and it'll fuck with you, right? Cataclysmically. Uh, but like, music will always be music. You know what I mean? Literature will always be literature. Poetry will always be poetry. It doesn't have to love you back for your love to never be unwavering. And he's just like, eh, maybe people should just fuck with that. Maybe people shouldn't be fucking at all. You know, maybe people should just be falling in love with poetry and shit, you know? Maybe he was just trying to get his boy Aristophanes' work. I don't know. But, like, 
it's one of those things are like that really fucked with my entire concept because it's a word I've said my entire life. Basically, I remember being three years old talking about platonic relationships, daycare. Sure, whatever. <laughs> but, but As three year olds do. <laughs> when in Rome, you know, or Greece, or whatever. <laughs> But that's my whole thing is just like, I, I, I loved the etymology of that, not knowing that there are things that like we absolutely are still taking from thousands and thousands of years back. But like, you know, in the great long uh, unforgiving spectrum of history, it's like, this dude's still fucking really relevant. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you go into the Plato's cave of it all, which I'm sure you know, but it's like, even if a lot of things have been disproven, and I think that's the point, much like science, right? Philosophy and ethics isn't to like say, yep, that's right. It's to actively be like, fuck you. Like that is the basis. That is the fucking foundation of all philosophy. And so even though a lot of his shit may be questioned now, it's like, what a Titan, man. Like, and I'm just yeah. so fucking in love with it. You know, what fucks with me is the idea that the next Plato or Aristophanes or whatever, so- Socrates, Socrates. <laughs> um, Socrates. They, they, they're probably just some like commenter on YouTube or, or Reddit or something like that. And we just don't know, you know, we just don't know about them because there's so many voices. It, it's like uh, in the Incredibles when syndrome is like, when everyone is super, then no one that's right. kind of the age we're living in right now, man. It's Ayn Rand's worst nightmare. I was talking about her today, being like, what a fucking hack. What a yeah, fucking she, fraud. <laughs> she was a total hack. Goddamn. Oh, no, I mean, no, I, I feel what you're saying. That's that's true though, right? Because you have also have to think about what the world was back then. Like, yo, it was like Greece and like Persia and like maybe three other spots. <laughs> like there wasn't a right. lot going on back then. You know what I mean? There were like four guys who got paid to just think about stuff. And then the rest of them were just like, I just make potatoes. Oh no, dude, that was a whole thing. So there were these other people in Greece right around the time of Socrates called the sophist, I believe. And the sophist, these motherfuckers, they got like disdain hardcore because they were like selling knowledge, but they weren't Man, it's like such a perfect like metaphor for uh, like teachers who teach to the test, but not to learn. You know what I mean? Mm. So you wouldn't learn how to do anything. You could learn to maybe like, you know, fuck someone up in a conversation because you could understand fallacies, but that doesn't make you knowledgeable. And that's where like Socrates came in and like blew up the game because like, and I, I, I'm sorry if you know this story already, but it blew me away because it's got like a hint of magical realism to it, which yeah. is like Socrates became Socrates that we know because the Oracle of Delphi, right? Which by the way is just a woman in Greece who's fucked up on drugs all the time who like right. people think can see the future. <laughs> so like so and she's it was, getting paid to just sit around and do drugs. Well, here's the thing that's even more bullshit about it. If it was like one person, I'd be in. It was a revolving door of women. <laughs> like you just like, I'm seeing the future from six to eight PM tonight. <laughs> like come 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 on down. So like but she so uh someone goes to uh it might have been Plato, maybe it wasn't Plato, it was some other like underling. But they go and they ask the Oracle of Delphi a very specific question, like who's These the These are like the man? smartest dudes in Greece. And they're like, Let's go ask this junkie what the future Whoa, holds. Dude, you're proving my fucking point. This is the whole point. This is where this is where like so Socrates is like, fuck, this is for the birds, man. Like, because they go to him, like, who's the wisest person in all of the world? Mm, Socrates says, and they're like, what? So they run back, but like, yo, Socrates, the fucking oracle says, you're the wisest person here. He doesn't celebrate. He doesn't like victory dances. Like, who the fuck is this woman? What does she right. know? And he gets right. really shitty about it. And so he goes and he starts, like, he asks her and he starts investigating and asking everyone like little concepts about like subjective truths justice love all of that bullshit that we already talked about right and was just so annoying that people got pissed off at him right mm. then uh the greeks lose for a little bit and the uh the the fucking what you, the, the persians come in very briefly all right 
and they're not having it. They're pissed. They're like, who the fuck? He's talking back. Put him on fucking trial, okay? Put him on trial. And this, this blew my fucking mind. He goes to trial. Everyone in Greece is like, oh, he's innocent. Like, we, this ain't going to stand. This is, look, democracy, right? right. <laughs> Greek is the home democracy. of democracy. <laughs> and uh, by the end of the trial, he was just snipping everyone. They're like, kill this motherfucker. Wow. He's so talking out coming in on. It was like a reverse courtroom drama where everybody comes in on his side. And by the end, they're all against him. <laughs> It's the most, like, maybe anticlimactic or black comedy, like, fucking comedy, or, like, courtroom drama ever. Like, because it's, it's, again, he goes in there. People are mostly on his side. He just keeps talking shit to people. And the worst thing is, he's like, I don't give a fuck about death. None of you motherfuckers know about death. This is just one of many things that you people claim to know some shit about that you ain't got a fucking clue. So suck my dick. I'm Socrates. Go fuck yourselves. And they, they've made him drink M-Lock, bro. And he just points up. He's like, bro, what's up? He just points up. He mm-hmm. lets everyone know. And then people say democracy died that day. And then Plato, like I said, Do for 12 years. Yeah, I said it now. So people say I mean, it. the people voted by consensus. So if anything, it just works a little too well. If anything, it proves democracy doesn't work right. at all. We should abandon it. Go back to oligarchies. Game of Thrones was right. Well, that's the one thing Game of Thrones got right. We'll give we'll give it to him. I I, I don't know. I was just so fascinated because like reading this one, it reads like the Bible, and then secondly, to your point, reads like Game of Thrones, like just backroom <laughs> fucking drama. Like like because it's 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 just like when homie, it's like when Man's Radar bend the knee, guy. Like you can live. And Socrates, I ain't right. bend the fucking knee. You kidding me? You put you light me on fire, motherfucker, like Socrates. <laughs> and I just I don't I don't know. I love it so much. I'm so blown away by that. And ancient Greek is supposed to be this enlightened place, but is it? That's my question to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <It's> yes. <lob. laughs> they had a lot of marble. They had a lot of orators. Right. I mean, I wasn't know. Socrates just walking around, just being like saying why to everything? Well, I mean, because that's the that's the really simplistic. Isn't that isn't that like a like a like developmentally like what a three year old does? Like why why why? Well, they even mentioned that in this book I was reading, which is just like people get shitty about that because Mm. they they eventually they they would have to confront with themselves they don't know something and that would somehow put them on an intellectual level playing field. Which as a twenty nine year old, if I had like a little three year old kid running around talking shit. I'd be like, I fucking said so. Shut the fuck up, all right? Like, right? Go watch cartoons. And they even say that. They're just like, you know, like that is the, it's like the last refuge of the scoundrel and cowardly. You know what I mean? Like oh, they, they say that all the time. And so he wouldn't go in just being like, why? But why? But why? But he would, by using like inductive reasoning, right? It would be like, well, that doesn't make sense for this. Like he would point out logical fallacies and inconsistencies in an argument that wouldn't necessarily negate it, but, but certainly like the, the shadow of a doubt argument, you know what I mean? We're like, okay, well, I guess that holds water. We say all the time, man, like we're, we're big movie buffs, we're TV people. Criticism is fucking fascinating because criticism doesn't need to be right. Criticism right. merely needs to hold water as an argument. If you can make an argument for something, I don't have to agree with you, but I can respect that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very similar. And that's kind of what he did back in the day. It's just like, just defend your fucking point. Like, I, if it holds up to scrutiny, you shouldn't get mad at the fifth why. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and he was a grown-ass man. So no one was like, go ask your mom, Socrates. Like, that was that <laughs> ship had sailed, you know? Right. Uh, but it's, it's just so fucking fascinating to me, man. And I like, that's why I'm really like, I've been doing a lot of that stuff. I've been reading a lot of like, Nietzsche. So, well, like sociological stuff, I mean, like, some Kant. Well, I'm going in order. So Kant is much later, as you well know, uh, I'm going to go directly in order, even though Kant is my, my boo-boo friend from college. Like 
That who, was the guy. Who I fell is in love who with. is like the modern philosopher of our time? Camus, probably, and he's been dead for well, sixty years. I'm talking like living in the Twitter age philosopher. Who would it be? I don't know. Maybe Dawkins. Maybe Richard Dawkins. Malcolm Gladwell. Gladwell, sure. Gladwell's up there. I mean, but none of them are doing things that are like, holy shit. They're just scientists, though. Right? I mean, where are the great thinkers? You know what I mean? Like, there are a lot of things that are just going extinct. Like Uh, Christopher Hitchens. Christopher Hitchens? (laughs) You just pulled Christopher Hitchens out of nowhere. I don't know. He was an asshole. It took me two full seconds for my body to be like, who the fuck is Christopher Hitchens? And I was like, dang, all right, well. No, okay, but that's what I'm saying. He got waterboarded on camera, bro. Made you think. It was good stuff, bro. (laughs) Good stuff. (laughs) Now, that's what I call entertainment. Um, No, but uh, I don't know. I'm just, no one's really doing it. And maybe maybe they are. Maybe maybe Charlie uh, Brooker, Black Mirror, maybe he's trying to say something, but. I don't know. I mean, after this last season, season, I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Miley Cyrus episode made me think I should probably cancel Netflix. I'm actually thinking about canceling Netflix. Uh, they got Sandman, bro. Did you hear about Sandman? Like Neil Gaiman? Yeah, bro. I never read that. I'm bro. not up on Neil Gaiman. I watched Good Omens. You watched which one? Good Omens. Oh, yeah. Is that the only like a thing you've experienced by Gaiman? Coraline. Coraline's good. Yeah, the book is way fucking scarier. Like, it's actually kind of scary. I mean, the uh, movie's actually kind of scary. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, look, Gaiman's great. You should you should give him a, a good read. Like, American Gods, the show, How I Feel About the Show Aside, is a really wonderful book. The Nancy Boys is really great. Like, check them out, man. I like them a whole bunch. But Sandman is one of those seminal comics where, like, oh, no one's going to ever be able to adapt this. And, like, oh, Netflix is throwing money. Like, that's the era of Netflix. You want to get rid of Netflix, and I understand why. I actually do. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm watching Hulu way more. I'm watching Prime way more. Um, yeah. I'm watching just like, I don't know, other things. I got to get your shutter, by the way. Neither here nor there. But my point is this, that like they have the money and resources to adapt things that were beforehand like unadaptable. Uh, and I'm not even talking just about Sandman. I mean, like as a person, as a Spanish person who is writing a magical realism story, the fact yeah. that Netflix is doing 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, like, on a unfilmable i'm sure as a two-hour film but 10 hours like maybe maybe you could pull that off and that and i think those are the that's the reason you kind of got to stick with them i mean they're certainly not doing it for artistic purposes but i think they're going out there being like well maybe we can do they they did do like anima with tom york and and paul thomas anderson things like that and it's great but i i think that that's the problem is like they're they're always going to have essential content but that's like what it's become like it used to be like you know great tv and now it's just become content and it's like it's a content war and who has this amount of content and it's like i'm gonna have to have fucking disney plus and apple tv and abc plus and cbs all access and all this shit to watch all of the worthwhile content out there and i still won't be able to see everything because there's not enough time in the day so at a certain point you just have to cut that shit out of your life sure but i I still believe in like the cream of the crop rises to the top you know what i mean um I, i i like, I don't give a shit. There are so many things on Netflix now where I'm like, that's clearly not for me. I'm glad it exists for somebody. I see Always Be My Maybe. I saw that <laughs> fucking wine movie with Amy Poehler. Like, I'm good for my mom and good for the people who want to see Always Be My Maybe. I don't know. Like, I mm-hmm. like Randall Park a lot. I don't want to watch that movie. That's not essential for me. But then again, yeah. 100 Years of Solitude. You know what I mean? Like, shit like that. Even Stranger Things. I'm rewatching Stranger Things now, man. And like, Season two ain't ain't that good, but season one's pretty good. I'm going to be honest. Like I rewatched it and was like, this is a lot better than I remembered it being because I soured on it in between the first watch and then season two came out. I was like, this is really not good. 
Um, but my point is, like, they still have content out there. They're just trying to hit every quadrant, which I think they're in a unique position to do. Um, I don't know if I'm getting Disney Plus because, like, we live in a fucked up weird internet world. And if I want to watch The Mandalorian, I'll just watch The Mandalorian, man. It yeah. ain't a big deal to me. I'm, I'm not going to pay for anything from Disney for the next year. I'm going to see how it goes. Well, they don't need my fucking money. I guess none of them do. I get that. Specifically Prime. But, like, <laughs> but, but, but it's just like they're not – like Prime is such like an afterthought, man. Like I kind of love how afterthoughty it all is. <laughs> like, yeah. You shipping, right? <laughs> all right. Well, here's a bunch of movies. Like, it's kind of like when I buy a vinyl off Amazon and then they send me the Amazon Prime music. Like, yeah, the, like well, the MP3 adorable, code for it. And then that. it also comes with a code. So now you have two codes. Right. I'm like, that's adorable, but I don't need it. And it's clearly like Amazon trying to pad the stats. You know what I mean? Just yeah. Like, look, I know you're here mostly for shipping, but on the right. off chance that Apple Music and Tidal and Spotify is all fucked up, yeah. you little prime music. You, you, got, you got us. Got us. You got us. We're always in your corner. They standardize one day shipping now, man. Oh, man. The future's here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, all right, look, because we might be short on time, I want to go to other heady concepts. In honor of Plato and Socrates, if you don't mind, I was hoping that perhaps we could pick a thing and try to pick it apart between the two of us and figure out what it is. Uh, it can be like a general concept like love or justice or any of that shit. One, I, maybe, maybe this isn't like exactly what I mean, but the, a concept that I've been really fascinated with recently um, is that the baby centric ego thing. Have you ever heard of this? I'm not doing a great job explaining it so far, but it's the idea that like every like single the ego that a baby has, like when you're a baby, and well, the like, idea I'm a that, baby kind of bro. Like you're fucking me up, but that's the truth. That's what it is. <laughs> it's like, it's like you come into the world, right? Hmm. There's an intense pressure. There's a great white light. And then from the moment you're born, you're the center of the fucking world. Every time you cry, someone comes to you. Like there's always someone by your side. It's the idea that like you could make the mistake as a baby, not consciously knowing that you're doing it, but like, fuck, the world is all about me. Like I cry, they come. Like I, I mm. fucking, but you, you know what I'm saying, it right? Is. You're well, a bundle of need and receptors. Well, what do you think that that is, man? It's like early on, like what I'm saying is like you're a sponge. You're constantly growing as a child. You can't, don't laugh at the sponge, man. It's true. You're, you're constantly soaking in information and you can make the mis based on the, all right, like let's do math, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, all right. If I said like three plus three equals six, so like, yeah, but four plus two also equals six, right? Like given yeah. the math available to a baby who can't even do math, he's like, yo, this fucking whole world is about me. Like I'm special. You grow up into a little person. Now you can walk and talk a little bit. Your mama still makes you feel special. The sun comes up every day. You get fed on time. Like you, like, I'm wondering at what age do you start to realize like the world was not made for you? Like, cause it's not even your fault. It's like a cruel fucking joke that like people play with you as a kid. Like it's a joke that like nature is playing with you, which is like, all oh, this is for you. Psych motherfucker. Like, and people don't yeah. get that. They have like existential crises. Does that make sense? Like, go on, run back at me. That's an impossible question to answer. That's the point. Like, I'm just trying to have an open-ended conversation where we try to diagnose it, try to get to some. So, so like, well, it, I mean, it, it depends on the person. Like, there's not like one like point in every baby's life where they decide or where they realize that it's not all about them. It's just like whenever you first encounter any kind of adversity or any kind of situation where somebody isn't catering to your every need, and you have the ability to then recognize that that's not happening. And usually, babies don't because they're just little babies. It's like, well, I've got shit in my diaper for a little longer than last time. 
But here's the thing. I, I cry, someone comes, and it takes the shit away, bro. Like, that's right. my point. I don't know. I don't even know what my point is. I just, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, what does that do to the ego? Like, uh, the, the, the first exposure of ego, this the first, like, because babies, babies develop in this stage, right? Like, in stages, they have, like, you know, I forget what the first stage is, but then they eventually get to the mirror stage, right? Where they understand, like, object permanence, and they understand themselves as a subject, which is kind of a big deal. And then I feel like the introduction of the mirror has to only reinforce the idea that the entire world was made for them because now they can peer upon themselves, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's all I'm coming to. It's just like, I wonder what that does evolutionarily and biologically. Like, dogs don't fucking think about this. Monkeys don't think about this. Like, they just you don't know exist. that. You've never been in the mind of a dog. <laughs> My dog Speak certainly feels that way. for your fucking self. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a proud representative of the dog coalition, and go fuck yourself. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, all right, fine. You ain't biting on that one. I got, I got, I got another thing we can talk about. It's fine. Comedy. It's, What's yeah. comedy? <laughs> we do a comedy podcast. We should probably talk about that. What's comedy? All right, you wanna, you wanna legit do that? I was gonna go to yeah. a tragedy, but that's fine. Uh, let's do comedy. Um, right. I mean, much like what was the Supreme Court thing when they tried to talk about what pornography was? They tried to define it, and they it's like, I, I don't know what it is, but I know, but it I know when, it I, when it. I see it. Yeah, which is like fucked up, but it's true. That's that. That's a maxim that I think everyone can totally understand. Uh, when it comes to comedy, comedy is something so subjective and because people's taste and humor can be so vastly different, it is hard to pinpoint what it is. It's easy, again, much like we're talking about like, oh, uh, matrimony and flowers and chocolates, uh, that's a symptom, that's not the disease, right? Like, we can look at comedy and say that jokes set up punchline, uh, that audience participation, the crowd work, uh, that, you know, just the, any, the construction of a joke, sitcoms, like that those are synonymous with comedy, but that's not what comedy is, right? So like, how, how would you kind of define it? Like, what's the purpose of comedy, right? Like in the same vein, um, what's the purpose of love? The search for your completion, your absolution. What is the purpose of comedy? Uh, you know, I mean, Hannah Gadsby had a pretty good thing on it, you know, that it's like the release of tension, right? It's or 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 even just a surprise. It's it's some it's uh something is going in a direction that you think it's going to go, and then it takes a turn. It's the same reason that people laugh at a jump scare. You know what that reminds me of though. But this is all right. We're going to connect all of our universes here. We're going to connect the babies. We're going to connect the comedy. Okay? okay. Because what that reminds me of in a weird way it's a is baby that the, comedy. Like look who's talking. Look who's, look who's talking. talking to, look who's baby's talking day now. out. Come on, guys. Baby's day out. Look who's talking now? With the dogs, Max. Get your head out of your ass. Those were two the dogs. Crown prince of them all. Baby's day out. The masterpiece. No, it reminds me of that. The first cosmic game that you play is your mother playing peekaboo with you. It's your mother manipulating the uh, concept that you don't understand object permanence yet, right? Right. Like, it really is. It's the subvert. It's, it's you going someplace and then being taken somewhere else. Right. Like, that's your mom kind of, can't see you, and you're like, I'm invisible. And right. She's like, ah, I see you, and you're like, fuck. I, but that's, that's like, I mean, I'm wondering if that is somehow intrinsically linked into what that is ultimately, because I think Hannah Gatsby, I think you're right, which is, uh, you know me, I really rallied against that fucking special for a while for no reason, by the way, because mm-hmm. it was really wonderful, but uh, it, it changed to me what the concept of comedy can be. That's what's so weird about that is you're saying maybe that's the best definition of what comedy is, or at least that's an approximation of getting closer to the truth. But I would tell you, like, that's the first time I even considered that format able to do something like that. And yet it got closer to the truth than uh, Louis C.K. or Chris Rock or Jerry Seinfeld or any of these other fucking people. You know what I mean? Any of the people in the Talking Funny documentary? 
Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. <laughs> there you go. Camera guy Round Fred. Uh, yeah. Um, well, of- speaking of Louis C.K., he also said, and I mentioned on this podcast in a previous episode, like Louis C.K. once said that, like, you develop a sense of humor as a shield. Um, like, that's something that you use as a deflection mechanism. That I can understand, certainly. Like, I don't want to get my ass kicked. I got to be the funny guy, which I think is Tim Allen's origin story, by the way. <laughs> like, right, because he was in prison for doing cocaine stuff, and he's like, hey, I'm Cocaine Tim. And everyone was like, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, this guy makes me laugh. I like this guy. And they like, I'm not going to shake ass. you later, or whatever happens in prison. I got into a whole argument with Dolores about that, and she didn't like it. Uh, about Toolman Tim? Not <laughs> Tim the Toolman Taylor. Or Tim, no. Tim, Tim the Toolman Taylor. <laughs> what was that one more time max what did you call it it's, it's two minutes <laughs> okay so not that uh oh. no i got into an argument about how like and you could be like doesn't matter they're fucking criminals uh but i will i will <laughs> like i'll have a fucking something to say about it which is like the concept that it is a known joke for mm-hmm. everyone outside of prison that prison is someplace where you get raped on yeah. the regular and we're all just making jokes about don't drop the fucking soap bar. Right. <laughs> like, oh, you wouldn't last a day in prison, boy. Kind of fucked up. Bro. Yeah. Kinda it's not great. Uh, and, you know, and Dolores certainly wasn't coming out on the side of like, let him get raped. But, but she was also like, well, it's not the same thing as a woman. I'm like, I think it's worth like a woman, like no offense. I, 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 because what I'm saying is they're not victims of circumstance. They're not like in a place every single day. I guess that's the work. I guess that's the workplace. Never mind. I was going to say they're in a place every day at a certain time. And I'm like, well, that's just their daily schedule that any, any. That's their daily waking reality. Yeah, the daily waking reality is that every day is prison for a woman. Oh my god, prison is every, every day is a prison for a woman. We're woke as fuck, bro. I think we just discovered wow. something that just... women discovered years ago. I'm sure. Like, <laughs> we're woke as fuck, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. Like, uh, I think that anytime anybody's getting raped, it's not good. It's right. is equally well. I mean, do you really want to tear rape? Is my thing. No, I think that's the point. We really need to just be like, it's kind of just horrific no matter what. Just put up a wall that says rape and that's bad. Right. No matter who it's happening to. I mean, that's the weird thing. It's like, it's just... I love that we started this off like, what is comedy? And now we're just talking about rape. (laughs) Well, rape is comedy. It thinks we're finding out. It's anything that's uncomfortable. Or maybe rape is the one thing that comedy isn't. All right, so we did our job, Max. We we figured out. We so the opposite of comedy is not tragedy. It's just it's rape. rape. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I may be more proud of this episode than anything we've done. <laughs> I think we've gotten to some fucking hu- universal truths, man. Um, <laughs> my God. Uh, no, I mean th- my that's God. my point. Is that, is that it, it, that's the one thing that we know for sure? Comedy isn't comedy, no matter what. It's no matter not, who it's rape is never to. funny. Carlin once said, uh, rape jokes aren't funny unless it's about the circumstances. And then he painted a very vivid picture of Bugs Bunny raping Elmer Fudd, uh, which was, which is admittedly on the surface kind of funny, but then like, think about it. Think about like Elmer Fudd lisping his way through a bunch of screams and being like, no. And also it's not just rape, it's another species raping him. So it's like double bad i assume you know what a progressive cartoon you know bugs bunny the first uh you know first rape first rape in cartoon first rape in animation guys (laughs) well i was gonna say he's like the first trans character you know represented in mainstream media also a rapist so it's probably not great 
Silence of the Lambs didn't help after that. Didn't no, help. we wonder why why <laughs> trans people had such a hard time. Bugs Bunny, Buffalo Bill. Right, right. Buffalo Bill really did set it set the back. We're finally a while. <laughs> healing the wound of Buffalo Bill. <laughs> what was that 20, 28 years later? <laughs> it's still fresh. Still fresh. Yeah. We still and got put the Neosporin. Getting work in Jurassic Park films. Uh, all right, man. So we listen, really are living in Trump's America. <laughs> Buffalo Bill still gets employment. <laughs> Fuck that. Uh, so listen, we're we're rounding third base because, as I said in the previous version of this podcast, we don't have a lot of time. I have to, I'm going to L.A. tomorrow. Got to pick up Dolo from the train station. Uh, so we're rounding. We're rounding. Uh, we're rounding third base. But I will say this: I, I had another thought. You and your here. fucking sports analogies. Fuck off. Uh, be, learn something. Uh, don't be a Philistine. I'm aware of what uh, third base is. All right. What's it's third base? It's the last one before home plate. <laughs> okay. You're not wrong, but you, you, you stumbled a bit. <laughs> you thought I was going to say fourth base, didn't you? I was hoping you were going to say fourth base. Uh, I wanted to talk about why I ultimately think humanity's fucked very quickly. Five-minute conversation. Um, and Just, I'm basing this purely on films. You know, you don't even have to answer this. You could just say, see the entire back catalog of our entire podcast. That's <laughs> the entire theme of this podcast is why humanity is fucked. But continue. Why we're fucked. Well, I just, I just mean, and this is, well, this is the subversion, even though you're right. If there's one thing that we talk about here, it's like what? Uh, airplane crashes, Nazis, uh, technology being really scary, the end of the world. <laughs> Hitler. Yeah. A lot, well, a lot of Hitler. A lot yeah. of Hitler. Well, because we talk about Nazis, then we talk about Hitler. All right, yeah, like, that's a separate conversation. Uh, but but I I, I was thinking um, the other day I was thinking about like altruism uh, and how altruism sometimes fucks things up. But basing basing this completely on Hollywood films, okay. The other yeah. day I got Dolores to rewatch uh, Twenty Eight Days Later. Right, uh, mm-hmm. she hadn't seen it in fucking I don't know fifteen years or something, really long time. And I was like, oh, it's great. It's really wonderful. Uh, let's watch it. So we started watching it. And it's always crazy to me because when you think back to that movie, unless you have a really good memory of it, I think most people think it starts when uh, uh, Cillian Murphy, Killian Murphy, whatever his fucking name is, he wakes up in the hospital, right? It starts out with people going into a monkey uh, right. institution and <laughs> fucking right. with some monkeys. They're trying <laughs> to free the monkeys. institution of monkeys. <laughs> well, they're like some animal rights activists and then they end up releasing a rage virus onto the population. Right. Well, this is my point that's fine not the the mass population thing but but the but the but like they saw suffering in the world and they wanted to correct that that's certainly noble right a noble pursuit i was thinking about uh 28 days not 28 days later uh, i am legend right i am legend the opening fucking two minutes again something no one seems to remember is not of the post-apocalypse but it's of uh emma thompson i believe right is it emma thompson who's there going on like the today show talking about how Oh really? Okay. In the first two minutes of the of the I Am Legend, it starts off and Emma Thompson is on the Today Show hanging out with like Meredith Vieira and shit, being like, I cured cancer and like shrugs. And then it's like two years later and it's like decimated Manhattan, right? And it's like the idea that I feel like even our altruism is still like a virus. I like mean, like we're same thing in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, man. It was an Alzheimer's drug that fucking caused a Oh, virus. okay. Well see, that's great. Socratic method. Give me three examples, brother. Like you did it. Like there's three examples, and I'm sure there's plenty of others where like it's not our hubris and it's not our uh, violent tendencies or our aggression or our differences. Rather, it's our attempt to reconcile those and to do something for the greater good that sometimes fucks everything up which is like i mean this is not something that's straight out of sci-fi we know we're doing gene splicing and shit now and like 
I have to assume the people who really broke and like did this groundbreaking thing to make that possible did it for altruistic scientific purposes. They certainly didn't do it for designer babies. I hope not. You know what I mean? But like the idea is that like there is a line, right? At some point. (laughs) babies. I'm sorry. This just reminds me really quick. There used to be a store called Petite Elite Baby and it was a (laughs) big... Baby's baby elite, but only if it's pet- small. <laughs> Petite elite babies. It shut down after four years. Fuck them. They weren't altruistic, man. <laughs> like so. Right. They're, they're, not, they're, not enough. Not enough slim, bougie babies in the world. Babies are notoriously fat. <laughs> like, why would you appeal to skinny, malnourished babies? Like, you're they're in the wrong. Notoriously fat, that. and by and large, not that aristocratic. Oh my God. All right. Well, sorry. You derailed me with petite elite babies. I mean, I get it. They're both petite and elite, but. (laughs) (laughs) What were you Uh, saying though? I mean, I was, I was just making a larger point about elite babies. I wasn't, that was you. I was just saying that I feel like, yeah, you know, like there's enough, there's enough examples of like, I I think that that's an example of like, maybe we just have uh, to quote the great hypocrite Ayn Rand. Uh, we have sin in our bones, right? Like we have a toxicity to us. We have this like virus within us. I hate to do the Terminator Two thing, but those kids playing soldiers in the in the sand and John Connor being like, "We're not gonna make it, are we?" And he's like, "Yeah, you, you humans just uh, destroy whatever the fuck Arnold says in that goddamn movie." It's like the idea that like our violent tendencies are bad enough. Great recap, bro. Okay, do you want to do you want to host the show? Do you want to take over? Do you want to prepare? Wait, do you want to write something down? Do you want to write something down? Are no, the, the show hosts itself. It hosts itself, but it gets derailed. It's it's whispering in my ears saying, Max is fucking this all up. Sorry. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Do you want to apologize? You want, you want to pipe that Vince uh, Caraldi music back um, Everybody, I just want to apologize for derailing the podcast yet again, um, making Christian lose track of himself. It, he's on a tight schedule. He's got to pick up Dolo. He's got to go to L.A. tomorrow. Um, and she's probably just waiting at the train station, just sad, crying, single tear, just running down her cheek. And here I am like, holding this up with Cody. this apology. And I'm sorry for that too. Yeah. I'm sorry for the sorry. I'm sorry I created an environment in which I had to apologize twice and possibly a third time. Thank you. That was a great apology, man. There was a commitment to change. There was like admit, <laughs> admission of guilt. Like I, that's a fucking four star apology, Max. I'm real proud of you, man. Thank you so much, man. Um, I mean, maybe I have nothing to say. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. What is comedy, Max? Point Drive is, babies home. are all fat. Um, <laughs> they don't understand the concept of object permanence and therefore currency, so they can't be elite. Right. Um. And rape is never funny unless you're George Carlin. Oh, you're you're giving him the the hall pass on that. He's the one human in history who's ever made rape legitimately funny. Was the Elmer Fudd thing funny to you? <laughs> like... It was just the way you said it. So you and George Carlin, yes! you're the only two. <laughs> I won. You win the big prize. One of two people in history to talk about. That's the big prize, guys. Not immortality. It's not a great prize. It's not a prize to be proud of. But it is a prize, and you have it, my friend. Thanks, Bobby. I appreciate that. You bestowed it upon me. Really, uh, I mean, hold on. You want to talk about one last thing for like four minutes? If you have time. I don't, but let's talk about it. Uh, Try not to derail us. You don't love Shakespeare, but I just rewatched Macbeth. 
bro. Macbeth is fire. Like, I don't know when the last time you watched Macbeth is, but it's fire flame emoji. Uh, and uh, he goes crazy. <laughs> like, that's all I know. I don't know. I, just, I, <laughs> I love that you're, like, talking about arguably the most important figure in all of, like, the written word. Right. And you're using fire flame emoji <laughs> to review it. Look, if Shakespeare was around today, he would talk exclusively in emojis, and those emojis would fucking sing, okay? Like, they would do wonders for us, man. He would really give us a visual language. Mm-hmm. Why are you hating on the bard, bro? I'm not hating on the bard. I'm hating on Fireflame emojis. But continue, Macbeth, when's the last time I watched it? Yeah. Like, as a play? Sure. Never? Or as a movie? A while? When's the last, which movie did you watch? I don't remember. So you'd never watch Macbeth? Maybe not. Okay. What do you know about Macbeth? Um, everybody's an asshole and then they die. Macbeth really is the breaking bad of Shakespeare's day, man, because it's about a guy who like sort of starts off nobly and then mm-hmm. like nothing happens and he's like, We gotta kill everybody. <laughs> like that's basically so if you don't know so, Macbeth Macbeth is like a lieutenant, right? And he's fucking around. There's a rebellion trying to come kill King Duncan, right? And yeah. Macbeth go, and the entirety of the war hinges on this one battle that there's no more reinforcements. Macbeth is leading his fucking forces to go fight this guy, right? Who's coming to Dunsinane. And uh, Macbeth goes and he fucking wins. He's victorious and he's great. Everything's cool. Him and Banquo are like, we just kill these motherfuckers. We're heroes. And then on the battlefield, they witness there's three witches who are just peering upon this, being like, yo, we're witches. Also, prophecies. Uh, Macbeth, you gonna be king one day, bro. Like, you gonna be king. That's right. going to happen. Banquo, you ain't going to be king, but your kids are going to be king. And everything's cool, right? Mm. Um, and then he, like, writes home to his wife. He's like, Lady Macbeth, uh, some fucking weird witches said I'm going to be king. She doesn't fact check this at all. She's immediately like, let's just kill the king. He takes no convincing. He's just like, not, and, and, okay. And he, well, kind of. He's like, well, what if we get caught? That's his fucking hang up. Not that it's not loyal to the king. Right, not that he's not, not being good to the Cause, crown, because the king is a pretty chill dude, right? King Duncan's kind of awesome in the movie, and I watched uh, Fassbender's version, and it's played by David uh, David Thelwes, the, the guy who played Lupin. Thulis. Thulis, is that what it is? Okay, Th- yeah. Thulis. All right, so that fucker, he plays uh, King Duncan, and then Macbeth stabs him, and not even like one or two stabs. I mean, like, like, like Norman Bates level of stabbing kills him. And then, like, and, and, and then Blaine, he, like, frames the guards, whatever. The next day, Macduff comes, and he's like, hey, what's up? Let me go see the king. He discovers the body. He's like, what the fuck? Macbeth then kills everybody, and then basically he becomes king, right? Now, whatever. You could say he had his reasons for King Duncan, Max. Maybe he did. I wasn't there. I don't know, okay? <laughs> All I'm saying is that, like, from that moment on, he then fucks up, bro, because nothing happens. Like, Banquo comes over for, like, a feast or something, and then he remembers the prophecy of the witches, like, your Banquo's kids are going to be kings. And so he, like, kills the fucking – he just kills Banquo, his best friend, for nothing. Kills his child. Well, it tries to kill his child, but Fleance flees. Now, if you know your story, he ends up being James the first king of England. Fleance does. So he that's changed where it his name sense. James. James. Well, come on, Fleons. What is he? It's fucking King Fleons the first immediately gets killed. Fleons in the machine back in the day. Like you think that that was his claim to fame? Fleons in the machine. Playing really surprisingly female-driven, uh, you know, <laughs> brog rock. Like 
But anyway, fucking Fleons, he flees off, and then he's like mad about it, whatever. But then like the rest Fleons of the story is flees. Well, th- he's like, fly, Fleons, fly. He yells at him. He yells him to fly a lot. He says Fleons fly? Yeah. Fleons flee. No, he's I know. It was right there, Shakespeare. You fucked right up. Right there. People call him the best writer ever, but like missed opportunities. Abound. Well, maybe a subversion of expectations. Maybe Beth is secretly a comedy. <sighs> it's not because <laughs> that would be a <laughs> fucked up comedy. <laughs> anyway, so at this point, Macduff is like pissed off because he knows that like Banquo has been murdered and now he sees Macbeth for what he is. He was like, he probably killed King Duncan. We couldn't prove it, but I had my suspicions. Then he kills Banquo. Macduff is like, fuck it. I'm going to go to England and I'm going to get some fucking rebels and we're going to come on the tyrant King Macbeth, right? And uh, Macbeth don't give a fuck. He's over there going crazy. He keeps seeing Banquo's ghosts and and then and, 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 like Lady Macbeth can't, she keeps seeing a fucking bloodstain and no matter what, she just can't get the fucking bloodstain off of her. She just keeps washing it. She goes crazy. She kills herself. And like Macduff is coming to the castle. And at this moment, he finds out Lady Macbeth's dead. And this is where we get the famous like tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace day by day to the last syllable of recorded time. Right. That whole fucking speech, which is a really famous speech, except when I watched it, like in context, I always like in my mind, that was always like a beautiful, like Oscar clip. Right. Like you mm-hmm. got to show someone crying like the Academy for your consideration. Michael Fassbender. Um, no, Macbeth is fucking crazy and can barely be bothered that his wife is dead. Like, he oh, yeah. literally, before that soliloquy starts, he said, she should have died hereafter. Like, he doesn't give a fuck. He's like, eh, she would have died eventually. Whatever. I'm King Macbeth, all right? He's a realist, all right? <laughs> he knew his wife. <laughs> no, and then, uh, and, then, and, and, and then after that, like, Macduff comes, and, 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 and uh, Macbeth isn't worried at all, by the way, because one of the prophecies the witch told him was that, like, no man born of woman uh, will be able to kill you, right? So he doesn't give a fuck. He's like, I'm going out to the field. You born, Every man born a woman, right? Dead. You, you can't kill me. Goes out there, starts killing everybody. Eventually comes to this fucking standoff, like a spaghetti western Sergio Leone fucking standoff with Macduff. And by the way, I didn't tell you this. Macbeth killed Macduff's entire family, including both of his kids and his wife, burned him at the fucking stake, okay? So Macduff is not happy with Macbeth. Not pleased. Point. And again, this is all about like the idea of like what masculinity is. This is really why I want to talk about this because there's a part where uh, the, the, the Duncan's kids are like, you, uh, he tells them that uh, all of his kids have been killed, right? And Macduff, uh, he's like, please, Macduff, like, let, uh, let your anger rise and, and be vengeful like a man. And he's like, I will, but first I will feel like a man right which is like holy shit like this guy's like let me feel my feelings motherfucker like my wife and kid just died like i can be a badass who's gonna kill people and also still cry uh at at the death of my family (laughs) you piece of shit right so i love that and then they get to the sergio leone standoff and he's trying to talk to him and mcduff's not having any of it he's like uh i have no words my sword is my voice. And then they go into this yeah. fucking standoff. Macbeth is beating the shit out of him because, again, he's like, I can't be killed. I'm perfect. And this is what I want to talk about. We got to wrap it up because we are so running to the finish line here. Another sports analogy uh, is that Macbeth, Macbeth, then, <laughs> Macbeth and Macduff are fighting, and he even tells him, he's just like, I can't be killed, motherfucker. Like, I can't be killed from anyone born a woman. And I'm literally wondering if this is the first plot twist in history. Like, if we can win the paint was drying and we go back and we're sitting in the fucking globe in Lisbethian English or England, right? And we're sitting there and this part comes up. We're like, he's about to be killed. And Macduff is like, uh, Macduff, untimely 
removed from his mother's womb, right? Cesarean. He was born from fucking Cesarean, bro. They cut Macduff out. He ain't born of a fucking woman. And he stabs the shit out of Macbeth and beheads him. That's kind of it. <laughs> That's kind of the end of the story. But uh, I love it because it's like the first plot twist, bro. They're just like, I just imagined like everyone be like, <gasps> like freaking out at the idea that like one progressive cesarean, they cut Macduff right on out of that woman, which is pretty impressive. Also, a little bit of a technicality, still born of a woman, but you know. What, what about in the Odyssey when they hear them ladies singing and they're like, oh, there's some nice ladies singing and they go check it out as monsters. What plot is that? Twist. That's not a. <laughs> it's not a third act plot twist. How about that? Like, that's the meeting of the goddess. Like that's pure Campbell. Okay, we're talking. This is in the eleventh hour. They're like, by the way, there's five minutes left. We got to throw this twist in here, and then they did right. it. Just Shyamalan it up. What it's if pretty... Shyamalan just traveled back in time and he was Shakespeare the whole time? He is, man. You know, there's what the three... <laughs> I'm sorry. I just imagine him in the full. He's got like the, the fucking uh, Robaldo. You know what I'm talking about? The little, the little fucking like ruffle feather thing. Just middle aged M Night Shyamalan. What the twist? People don't know whether to applaud or storm the stage out of anger. Like it's a real, uh, you know. <laughs> I don't know. The people mustn't know that he was a small Indian man. Well, that's the other thing. That no one knows who Shakespeare is, man. They're just like, it was Sir Francis Bacon, bro. It was uh, Miguel Cervantes. It was Cervantes. a cabal of white playwrights in Britain all right. hanging out and not taking credit for great work. Right. Because <laughs> that's what writers do. <laughs> yeah, it makes total sense. The most selfless class is the writer <laughs> class. So many class systems, man. India's got the right idea, you know what I mean? But the writers, there are warriors, there are Shintus, you know? <laughs> they knew. India knew from the start, we got to squash this before it gets out of control. Look at it. I read fucking Macbeth. England. <laughs> yeah, I read Macbeth. That's Scotland, but same difference. United Kingdom, fuck them. They're all poison. I don't know. I, 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 just, I was really blown away by that. I watched that whole play. I'm like, yo, it's fire. And then just like that third act plot twist. I'm like, that might legit be the first plot twist in all of existence. Because when I was watching it with Dolores, like I was holding her hand. And when it got to that part, she squeezed my hand three times. Like she was excited about it. And it was the cutest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. And so Aww. I was just like, oh, maybe that's really, maybe, maybe back in the day, you know, people were, they all lost their shit. And they cham a lot. Like the Globe Theater, people were just like, what? Start tearing it down, pulling yeah, boards out, beating the actors to death. <laughs> and then somebody laughed and said, That's comedy. That's Sunny days, gonna keep me outside right on the shade. Gonna keep me outside right on the shade. It's gonna be like this, and that's right, that's okay. Is that okay? Myself and PT is lying to me, and I'm dead tired of the shit you call these fucking bitch. You don't know when to stop. You're launching fat bitches, motherfucking fat bitches. Ah, why don't it be trapped in the back of your heart? How could a fuck thing so fuck is that to start? But if I can't have it, then no one can. 